0: Welcome to the Madison Church podcast. My name is Stephen Feith. I'm the lead pastor of Madison Church and your host for today's episode, in which Madison Church asks for further clarification on Stranger Things last week's message title: Stranger Things, Shrimp, Slavery, and the Skin of a Dead Pig. What do we do when we come across these Old Testament and sometimes New Testament passages that seem to prohibit something like eating pork? But do not prohibit something like owning other people. We're gonna get to that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to invite you to subscribe to the Madison Church Podcast if you haven't already. We do a weekly podcast here with of the messages and the talks from Sunday, but when we get questions in like we're doing right now, we try to answer those to the best of our ability in the middle of the week. So make sure that you subscribe. Another thing that you can do is if you already subscribe and you find this content helpful, you can rate and review it. Rating and reviewing it helps other people find us. And finally, I want to invite you to join us in person this Sunday as we continue our series based on the book, How Not to Read the Bible. This book was written by Dan Kimball, and it's how it's what we're basing this series on. Now, let's go back to the question for further clarification on Stranger Things. Last weekend, Sarah Hansen from Green Bay, the lead pastor of Exchange there, Uh, led the talk and was talking about stuff like shrimp and pork being outlawed uh, in the Old Testament, how tattoos and piercings were banned, but then how the Bible also seemed to be all right with slavery. These passages are in there. We can't ignore them. To ignore them would be um, unfaithful. It would be not thinking correctly. It wouldn't be objective. It wouldn't be the right thing to do. And if we believe in God and we believe in the text, the Bible, then we need to look at them and figure out what God was doing and how God is still using that text to speak to us today. Now, when it came to shrimp and pork, we speculated that this was likely a command to keep the community safe and healthy. We know a lot more about food health and safety in 2022, But Leviticus was written thousands and thousands of years ago. And so they just didn't know an awful lot about food safety. And so when God says, don't eat shrimp and don't eat pork, we think that that likely was a command to keep the community safe. Now, other times, like with tattoos and piercings, this had to do with God's command of having no idols and only worshiping him. In neighboring countries and communities, they would tattoo and pierce their bodies uh, as sort of an act of worship it was ritualistic they did it for the dead and in this way uh, as god is setting a people apart he says you're not going to do that you're going to be different you're going to be visibly different and so when people see you and they you guys don't have tattoos or piercings they're going to know that that's different cuz everybody has tattoos and piercings for their gods for their dead why don't you And then that's when the Israelites would presumably be able to tell them about their God, Yahweh. Now, whether it's don't eat shrimp and pork or tattoos, Jesus tells us in a couple places in the New Testament, but in Matthew 22, 37, that all of these commands in the the law and in the prophets were established to help people love God and to love each other better. And that's pretty obvious when it comes to tattoos and piercings. How can we love God better? Well, we're not going to tattoo ourselves uh, as an act of worship to some other God. And with shrimp and pork, how are we going to love each other? We're not going to make each other sick. And so we can kind of get that. But but an area that I feel like we missed talking about last weekend was why don't we follow these passages still today? I mean, so what that we know that you have to cook shrimp and pork certain ways? And, and so what if I get a tattoo and it's not for another God? I mean, why don't we still follow those commandments? And I think the answer is found in a couple places. Uh, one is in Matthew five seventeen, in which Jesus tells us that he did not, in fact, come to abolish or get rid of the law, but he came to fulfill its purpose. And what he's saying is... Is, uh you know, we have the law, and even if you followed the law, all of these rules in the Old Testament perfectly, it still wasn't going to accomplish God's purpose. And this is really daunting if you think about it, that you could follow some 600 commandments perfectly from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, and you still come up short of what God would have for you, of God's purpose for your life and for the world. Daunting is is just what the word that comes to mind. And Jesus says he didn't come to, in fact, throw all of that stuff out. When Jesus comes, he is still living under the law. When Jesus is here and walking the earth with Peter, James, and John and company, they're not allowed to eat shrimp. They're not allowed to eat pork. They're not allowed to have tattoos. So he's saying, I didn't come here to just throw all of that out so we can live however we want to live, but rather to fulfill the purpose. And the purpose, as already is stated later, is to love God and love people even better. So Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, and in all of that, He fulfills their purpose, and this ushers in a new covenant. We did a lot of talking about covenant in our series, Losing My Religion, which is a long 13-part series through the middle portion of Hebrews. If you're looking for a more in-depth study of the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant, I would encourage you to look that up either on the podcast or on our YouTube channel. But the fact is, is that we are under a new covenant now and today. Once Jesus is resurrected, once he comes back uh, to life, we are under a new covenant. Again, he didn't abolish it, but he came to fulfill its purpose, and now it is fulfilled. And as such, we are no longer bound to the old covenant, which prohibited the shrimp, the pork, the tattoos, and the piercings. This is glaringly obvious when Peter will not sit down with Gentiles, with non-Jewish folks, because he's not supposed to eat pork, and they are. And now that Peter is on mission and that this gospel, this new covenant is for all people, all times, not just Jewish folks, but for the Gentiles as well, uh, it's kind of become a stumbling block of sorts to Peter. He won't eat with people who are far from God, who need God, who need to know about this new covenant, but he won't do it. And so then in Acts 10, we're told that Peter has a dream and he sees all of the food that he's not supposed to eat, all of these, you know, quote, unquote, unclean animals. And God tells him to dig in. God tells him to, he's not bound by the Old Testament law anymore, that Jesus fulfilled it and that he can, in fact, go ahead and have the bacon. He can, in fact, go ahead and have the shrimp. God makes it explicitly clear that the things that they were once bound to, the law and the rules that they were once bound to, no longer applied to them. So that was the first thing I felt like we needed to clear up from last Sunday was, yes, we offered an explanation as to why those laws existed. But I wanted to offer an explanation this time as to why we are not bound by them. It's because Jesus came and fulfilled their purpose. And again, in this very explicit example, God tells Peter, you're on mission now. Okay, you're on mission. What separates you from the neighboring communities is no longer what you do or don't do in terms of the law, but it's who you are in me and that your life should bear fruit of that. And the other thing I wanted to provide clarification on was slavery, just to talk a little bit more about that trajectory of scripture, because when God creates Eden, when God creates people, we see that there is no slavery. So in God's ideal, which we get at this very vivid picture of in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, there is no slavery. There's no owning other people. There's the fall and sin enters the world and death and all of these horrible things come into the world. One of those horrible things is slavery, and uh, it's race-based slavery like what we saw at the beginning of our country's history. It is human trafficking in which men own women and children and sell them for sex. Uh, Slavery shows up in all sorts of forms and all sorts of cultures uh, because of sin. When God is introducing rules for slavery in Exodus, I want to point out that there was race-based slavery going on at the time. This is what was going on in Egypt when the Israelites were enslaved there. If you were an Israelite at the time, a Hebrew, you were enslaved simply because of that. You were a Hebrew, and you're in Egypt, and so you're going to be a slave. So, they did have race-based slavery. Now, when the Hebrews escape from, and they're led out of Egypt, and they're developing their own national laws, their own national rules, as God is really leading them in that process. God says, even when it comes to slavery and and servants, it's going to be different among you. And I think that that's really important to point out that they did live in a society in which there was race-based slavery, in which uh, fathers sold their daughters uh, as prostitutes, uh, things that we still see today that are horrible. Those were going on. And God explicitly in several places bans that sort of thing. As Sarah said on Sunday, if you were to sell someone against their will, they didn't want to, God's command was to put you to death. If you did that, if you sold someone, if you kidnapped somebody with the intent to put them into slavery or to enslave them, you were to be put to death. And That's very strong language. That's a very strong command. But that's how serious God was about separating the Israelites, the Hebrews, from the rest of the world and saying not so among you. And as Sarah mentioned on Sunday, the slavery in the Old Testament, when it came to the Hebrews and Israelites, that was very different than the race-based stuff. This was more like employment. If you needed a job, uh, you didn't apply for a job, you became someone's servant. And of course, as I've mentioned already a few times, yes, there was race-based slavery, but this was different. The trajectory humanizes it. You see, there's no slavery and then there's slavery and it's awful. And then God, as the people of Israel walk away from Egypt, God says, we're still going to have this economic model in which people need jobs and they need food and places to live. Uh, And so we're still going to have servants, but it's not going to be like the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, God even offers them a way out of being a servant, of being a slave. In the Old Testament, there are rules of how to not be a slave anymore, and those were based on um, a certain amount of years. So even in that it wasn't permanent, like when we think of slavery today or more modern times, we think of this kind of permanency until someone else comes and frees you. And in this story, God was the liberator and saying, hey, there's rules and you can't keep them for their entire lives. We get to the New Testament in which one-third of the world at that time, it speculated that one-third of the world of every person who lived in the world in the New Testament era would have been enslaved. Some of this was race-based, some of it wasn't, but one-third of the world. And so slavery was still quite normative in that world. And so when we see Paul giving some instructions a couple times, really he's just addressing a cultural phenomenon that's going on and, and telling them that even if you're enslaved Here's how you can be different. Here's how you can show uh, Christ to people. But we do get to the end of the Bible, and we see that there is no slavery once again. When God makes everything right, there is no slavery. And so there is this trajectory then of, of slavery becoming obsolete. And so we should work for that and toward that end as followers of Jesus, as we work for his kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven his kingdom we should work against slavery because there is no slavery in heaven when we're working toward God's will we know God's will isn't to have people enslaved uh, by because of their gender because of because of their race we see that that just isn't the way that God wants it to be so i hope that this provides some more clarification some more context to slavery in the Bible. I hope it provides a little bit more clarification as to why we don't follow the laws. We appreciate the question that came in asking for further clarification on what we talked about. Again, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review if you haven't already, and would love to connect with you in person this Sunday as we're going to talk about gender and women on Mother's Day at Madison Church and how not to read the Bible. Is God anti-women? Is the Bible anti-women? That's what we're going to talk about. Have a great week.